Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert and today i'm on the road once again we have moved the element wealth studios for the day to collins mississippi we're at world wine ford for the okatoma river festival coming up in collins rhino back ensconced safely at super talk headquarters morning rhino howdy howdy Please inform our audience of the day. It's Friday, y'all. <laughs> we'll be guiding you through your day, the middle of your day, with facts, fodder, and fine music. Back in the chair again. So happy to be here. Appreciate Dave uh, taking over the duties for a few days there. Uh, I have been, uh, my, on my time off, I've been talking. So talking here. <laughs> <laughs> on the show and talking on my days off what it what a uh, a blast i had tuesday speaking at the annual mississippi it symposium a keynote speaker there and what a what a uh, a great crowd in attendance there for this year's symposium there were four members of the audience that also were at one time employees of my company, and that was really cool. So I sort of walked through the, the audience of our business history, and in one of those original photos from our grand opening that I shared had uh, one of the folks in attendance featured in it. He was uh, our, our chief technology officer at the time, and that was kind of fun. And then Wednesday, I headed north to my alma mater, Ole Miss, and was honored to visit with the School of Accountancy, the Patterson School of Accountancy. Was up there all day, had lunch with the faculty, and that was really a blast. And then three separate small student group breakout sessions, about 15 in each session, and then a general session at 530 and got a little long-winded, I guess you could say. Spoke for about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, but, of course, it's college kids. They're, they're used to long lectures. <laughs> and there were about 140 in attendance for that and received a bunch of positive feedback. But here's what I want to pass on. The students there at the Patterson School of Accountancy were outstanding, incredibly impressive as, of course, is the faculty, Dean Wilder, Mark Wilder, the dean of the Patterson School, chair of accountancy, Dr. Morris Stocks, 
for the most part, my hosts for the day, along with Jason McCormick, works with the School of Accountancy. But, uh, Rhino, these students showed up at these breakout sessions in business attire, dressed professionally. The gentlemen, the young men, had coats and ties on. The young ladies dressed in professional suits or dresses. They look like they're ready to go to work. To work. So they, we went around the room and they introduced themselves, where they were from. And they were, it, this was all juniors and seniors, by the way. This is what blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. Every single student has a job waiting for them, already done. In fact, all but two going to work for one of the prestigious big four accounting firms. I was just so incredibly blown away by that. Uh, KPMG, PricewaterhouseCoopers, E&Y, uh, Deloitte Touche, every single one were going to work for one of those firms. Unfortunately, none in Mississippi because only one of those firms has an office in Mississippi. And there's, they don't have enough openings to accommodate all of them. So many come in to the Patterson School from out of state. I would say it was probably 50-50 out of state students relative to students who are from the state of Mississippi. But unfortunately, all seek work and will be employed out of state. Fabulous students that these big firms literally fight over, compete over, because the quality of the school, top ranked, top in, top school accounting school in the SEC, top ranked in the country, top 10 perennially, I think ranked, ranked at number eight right now, I submit it's the best. I, to, I totally believe that. And uh, the dean, we're so blessed to have Dean Wilder, Dr. Stocks uh, leading our school and the fantastic faculty. But and I wanted to bring this up because we hear so much, uh, and I share a lot, of just crazy stuff happening on college campuses. And, and sometimes I shake my head and, and, and maybe get, I guess, a little, little feeling down about it because you just, and I got some stuff to share today. University of Texas, some crap going out there is incredible. But then... I witness in person this fabulous student group, this fabulous institution, the Patterson School, right here in Mississippi, the great dedicated faculty, and and a lot of people, a lot of students that I felt like think a lot like we do, see the world as we do, so intent, so enthusiastic about their job, going to work, producing for society earning an income, not scared of hard work. Clearly, you can't make it through that school if you're scared of hard work. It's, it's rigorous. It was just so refreshing, so heartening to, to see that, to witness that, to visit with the students, all of whom were, in my opinion, had fantastic interpersonal skills to combine with their, their academic prowess, and that's why they'll all succeed. But to show up in business attire, that just it was incredible. Uh, again, it, it, I mean, they're ready to go to work right now. You can just see them in one of these offices, one of these big firms, doing work. 
and so you wonder why don't they stay in Mississippi because these firms don't have operations in Mississippi. Well, why don't they have operations in Mississippi? That's because they need what we've talked about over and over again on the program. They need big enterprises with the headquartered in the state of Mississippi with lots of um, with with lots of knowledge workers and that is what drives their business that's who they service Larry and Jackson by the way your your comment there I'm not even going to give it airtime is ridiculous it's totally ridiculous inappropriate Rhino you see that yeah uh, it's just unbelievable. You have no idea what you're talking about, man. None. So, again, back to that. So impressed. And so, uh, I guess, feeling better about our future when you look at such a an impressive group of, of young people that are on the cusp of starting their professional careers. And uh, I actually asked a show of hands how many intended to ultimately start a family. And I'd say it was more like two-thirds. A lot of people just hadn't thought about it, you know, or not at that point in their lives, and that's fine. But it's just incredible that uh, the attention that they gave uh, to the to the data we shared, and, and much of which was historical on um, the, just the formation and, and the account of my business, but spent a little time on that and then went forward and, and shared with them some current issues mainly focused on economic and fiscal issues like we do a lot on this program and and sort of got their take on it and here's what i found like most americans they're not really keeping up with it and i i didn't either honestly when i was in college i think most of us would say that around that age range we we're just kind of not tracking it and so i i felt like we were uh, I, I felt like that um, uh, we were enlightening them to a great extent. I talked about the new mortgage rules. Nobody was aware of that. We've, we've discussed that quite a bit on the program, and, got, and they were just, like, astonished. No, that's not fair. And we, we talked about uh, our, our fiscal situation, our debt, our debt ceiling looming right around the corner. We talked about the Social Security and Medicare issues that we're dealing with and how to address that and what the plans are for that. We talked about the ridiculous deficits that we're producing and the record amount of debt that we have and just wanted to get their take on it, and they really hadn't given it much thought. I, I wasn't either at that point. I think most of us could say we didn't really start concerning ourselves with those kinds of matters at that age. And I think to a great extent, you don't think it's really – quite yet in your purview within your purview and scope as a just as a, a citizen to deal with that Maurice Shoemake the from the Covington County Chamber will join us next in the Element Well Studios we're here in Collins Mississippi for the Okotoma River Festival and coming right back The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. 
Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays, we are live from Woolwine, Ford, and Lincoln on Highway 49 in Collins, Mississippi. Be sure to stop by and visit us today. And while you're here, talk to the Woolwine team about how they can help you save lots of money on a brand-new Ford or Lincoln. Covington County Bank, custom-built trailers of Mississippi, Priority One Bank in Collins are among our sponsors for our remote today. We're here because of the Okatoma River Festival. Someone asked us about a, uh, a shooting, Rhino, at Howard Industries. You know anything about that? Yeah, according to uh, what I've seen, one person was shot at Howard Industries, uh, but law enforcement believed the suspect fled the scene in a pickup truck with Stone County tags. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So we don't have any other details other than that, I guess, at this point. Uh, none confirmed. I mean, there are, of course, rumors going crazy on social media. There's even some names on social media, but I haven't been able to verify them, so I'm not going to put them out there. Gotcha. Makes makes total sense. Terry says, welcome back, journeyman. You have been missed. Appreciate that, Terry. It's good to be back. I, I have um, had a blast the last three days. It just worked out that all these... Uh, events were were consecutive on three days the IT symposium and then uh, the Dean was gracious to ask me invited me to come speak and address the the students meet with the faculty at the Patterson School of Accountancy my alma mater the Patterson School and then yesterday I once again moderated a panel discussion on medical cannabis in the state of Mississippi that was for the Madison County young professionals over a hundred in attendance at that event which included representative Lee Yancey as a panelist and then um, a representative from hub insurance a risk advisor an attorney from the firm of of Bradley Bradley law firm Bradley Arendt and they are heavily involved in counseling those in the cannabis industry, not just in Mississippi, but out of state as well. And then uh, also included Dr. Dan Ed Edney, the chief health officer for the Department of Health. So it was just a discussion where we reviewed the law, an overview, provided an overview of the law and some of the details with respect to uh, patients and what is required to receive a card so that they can, so that they can, um, purchase the various forms of medical marijuana that our law allows and and then we also discussed the, the various industries the business categories in the industry the growers the testers the processors the distributors the retail dispensaries I may have left one out got into that somewhat also learned that about 11,000, I believe, is what Dr. Edney said. 11,000 patients have signed up. And so that's a little behind schedule. I think expectations are to get to about 50,000. And I don't think, I didn't get the impression that is a result of delays in the certification process. But I think a lot of folks are still learning about 
what is available, what the requirements are from the perspective of debilitating conditions to qualify and then getting a physician to sign off on it. Um, I didn't get the details on the number of practitioners that have become certified by the Department of Health. My guess is a lot of that's still in process. That still hasn't built out <clears throat> to the point where it's um, fairly easy to find someone, I guess, across the state, a practitioner that could, in fact, approve the patient. So it was a good update, though, for those interested in that in the state of Mississippi. Robert and Brandon says, it's a shame that we don't have the jobs in Mississippi to support young college grads. Losing so many young professionals makes it really difficult to move the state forward into the 21st century. Agree with you, Robert. It's a function of, of jobs for knowledge workers because what our colleges produce are the skills in general necessary and appropriate for knowledge worker job positions and we simply don't have enough of those in the state and I submit it's because we don't have a large component of corporate headquarters that's where typically you'll see the highest concentration of knowledge workers we have a fair amount that work for corporate headquarters located out of the state they work either in branches or out of their homes or so forth. They represent those companies in various job roles. But we don't have just like a, a, a large number of corporate headquarters that would hire a significant number of knowledge workers at the headquarters. That's what we lack and something we've got to continue to work on if we expect to retain our college grads. So we're essentially subsidizing in many ways the other states if you think about it. And so in the case of these accounting grads that all aspire, understandably so, to work for one of the big four public accounting firms, only one of the big four has an office in only one office in Mississippi, and it's a relatively small office, and that's because and the other firms don't have any, any, um, they don't have any presence in Mississippi, and that's because you've got to have corporate headquarters, large corporate headquarters that need the sorts of services big four accounting firms provide that's who they serve. That's who they sell their services to. And we don't have enough of those such that it necessitates the location of offices of the big four accounting firms who are the ones that hire these, these accounting grants. And not just at Ole Miss, but the other schools as well. And that's just one discipline, accounting. I'm just bringing that one up because that's where I was. But you could make the same case for a, a number of other knowledge worker positions as well. Uh, medical is a uh, obviously a knowledge worker position where we we need all the medical professionals that we we can get uh, but that uh, to a great extent um, right now you may have some thoughts on this depends on where you perform your residency a lot of times a medical professional a physician will complete their residency at um, an institution a hospital not in the state and they'll stay there don't return or if you study a specialization that is just because of the sheer lack of population compared to other parts of the country that you wouldn't encounter nearly as often. So you couldn't build a practice out of it. Right. It's exactly right. And I think that's uh, what I think 
ultimately pushes a lot of those grads out of state and they stay out of state. You know, and I even talked to several of them about after you feel like you've had had enough of public accounting, and, and it's no secret that a lot of folks get get pretty burned out in that in those jobs. It's a lot of long hours, and and it's uh, it's very intense work, and and most end up leaving after a, a stint with one of the public accounting firms. That's pretty typical, and they end up going to work for usually one of the clients of the firm. Uh, some ultimately become high-level executives at those companies. And a few will go out and start their own deal and, and uh, take some risk. I actually asked that and was a little surprised to find nobody at this point has any, any entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial aspirations, I should say. Um, but they may change their minds on that. A couple said they wanted to maybe launch their own accounting firm, which was great. One actually said they wanted to... I'm going to get their law degree and maybe start out in public accounting, then shift over to practicing law, and look to do that in in Mississippi. And that's that's great. That's fantastic. Don't lose sight of the trades and what trade schools produce. Monetarily earn much more on average. Totally agree uh, with you there on the ceasefire tax line. We don't lose sight of that. There, there's absolutely uh, that's absolutely necessary. Earn much more on average at first, at first, not long term. Not even remotely close. At first, you take someone that goes into one of the trades right out of uh, high school, for example, is supposed to go to college and then enters the job market after college. Typically, the person in the trade is going to be paid. It depends, it depends on the job, honestly, out of college. But typically, in the trade job as well, going to be paid more. But over a period of time, uh, the knowledge worker is going to end up earning significantly more. Significantly. So I'm certainly... Uh, not, not in any way downplaying the need for that. We have excess demand oversupply. We've been to the community, for example, East Mississippi Community College, fantastic operation over there in preparing students to enter the workforce after tailored academic training and hands-on training that they develop in conjunction with the employers. It's fantastic. I think we should honestly replicate that across the state. But there's also a need for all these knowledge worker jobs as well, even though Larry doesn't think so. I guess, Larry, you believe that we don't need accountants and lawyers and finance professional professionals. I wonder, Larry, if you thought about the fact that, that all the technology that you're using to send these texts to me, they were they were created by knowledge workers that you say we don't need. We're <laughs> That's rich. We're coming right back. We are in the Element Well Studios down in Collins, Mississippi. Started today. He's with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our shop on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. The Element Well Studios have been relocated to Collins, Mississippi. We are at Woolwine Ford in Lincoln on Highway 49. Come by and get you a good deal. Also, want to point out that 
Piggly Wiggly in Seminary, People's Bank of Collins, Wade Funeral Home, Caleb's Hometown Pharmacy, and Mitchell Farms all are donors making this, uh, sponsors making this, I should say, making this broadcast possible right here from Collins, Mississippi. Joining us now is Marie Shoemake from the Covington County Chamber. Got her Okatoma River Festival shirt on 2021, right? <laughs> 2021. That looks great. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Appreciate y'all coming to Covington County. Our pleasure. So how long have we been doing the Okatoma Festival? We've been doing it for 34 years. 34 years. Yeah, it began, uh, as I said, 34 years ago, is the Look Around Mississippi program to yeah. uh, actually, you know, to boost pride in our state. It was a MEC program that challenged communities to do something. And so we got together and we planned a festival and we asked our hometown hero, Gerald McCraney, to come home for it. So naturally, we had a huge turnout. But after three years, the state went on to something else. But the people in our community said, no, this is a hometown event now, and it involves everybody. It gives everybody an opportunity to showcase what they have done during, yeah. during the year. Yeah, so Gerald McCraney, of course, a uh, famous actor, very yes. successful in his own right. Uh, I think he starred, was it Major Dad was the program I think he's mostly known for? I think so. That was really a great program, by it the way. It certainly was. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, so what are the dates and times of the festival exactly? Where does it take place? Actually, the festival will kick off tonight, Friday night, okay. with fair rides. And everybody will be getting their booths set up. They're already marked off on that courthouse lawn. And so people come in Friday night, so it has an economic impact on our community, too, because they stay at our motel sure. and eat at our restaurants, and sure. all, which is great. But then it will kick off in the morning with a 5K run walk and also a children's fun run. And so but that will take place at the Methodist Church at 8 o'clock. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's always a fun event. They say that people, I never have run it myself, but they say that they love it with the rolling hills and all, that it's a fun race. And uh, it's done by Mississippi Timing Race club they yeah. come in and do it so it's uh, just one of those fun events that we look forward to every year how many folks do you expect to attend the festival the festival yeah Ooh, weather being beautiful yeah. i would say but 10 and twelve thousand. wow it'll be in and out with people all day long that's awesome. Yeah. And so uh, do many of these folks come from outside the county? They're visitors into the area for the festival? They do. They come from outside the county, surrounding communities with arts and crafts. We love to have Some of them even come from out of state. I told we have a runner coming from Louisiana this morning. Mm -hmm. So uh, you just never know. But uh, we have over 115 booths set up on our courthouse lawn that starts in crafts and then on first street it's an overflow and we have probably about 20 booths on first street and that doesn't count our food vendors which we have about 
28 food vendors. Uh, anything from crawfish to barbecue mm-hmm. to homemade ice cream. It's just wonderful. Come hungry. <laughs> you know? Right. And so, and most of this happens at the Main Street Courthouse area of Collins. Is right. That right. Yes. That's where it, where it occurs. So, yeah. And we've got a wonderful car show coming in. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we have something for everybody. Awesome. That That is totally awesome. How long have you been involved in the Okotoma Festival? 34 years. Oh, for all of them. <laughs> right. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Well, thank you. That is fantastic. i got to believe this is the biggest thing you guys do as part of the chamber, huh? Well, yes, it is. And then we have a wonderful event around Christmas, starting okay. actually Thanksgiving, Christmas in the park. And it's a drive through and it's free, and we've had wonderful sponsors and people that buy honorariums and memorials throughout okay. the year. And uh, we had over 5,000 people drive through last year. Wow. And so, uh, Marie, is there a team you work with that, that uh, helps orchestrate all this? Got to be, huh? Oh, yeah, of course. You couldn't <laughs> That's do a lot of work. You couldn't do it without volunteers. Yeah, I've sure. got a chairman for each thing. And as I said, it's a community event like our homemakers. They show off their quilt show during okay. the year. It's a fundraiser for them. And our high school also has a program where students make quilts and it gives them an opportunity to showcase what they do. Of course, we have our uh, three local schools, yep. and it's a chance for their band to actually march and perform. And then we also have Youth Challenge coming every year, okay. bringing their kids up here to march, and we look forward to them. It's almost a tradition for them to come to our, our festival. Right. And uh, as I said, have a chairman of the car show, uh, chairman for our school art events that you know, for the children, mm-hmm. and we display those, you know, downtown, and uh, chairman for our parade. So it takes everybody doing their part, and then it just kind of all comes together. So do you have to work with uh, local officials, the mayor, the mayor's office, law enforcement, and so forth? Oh, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do our run without our uh, uh, local law enforcement, because they cross over the highway and run through our beautiful park city park and so it takes them they're around all day helping and as i said we have fair rides that start tonight and uh people come out on friday night just to see what's going on sure you know sure do you uh, do you ever know of any situations where someone comes in from out of town and and they enjoy the festival they enjoy the city the county the people all the other assets and they decide to stay does that happen? Yeah, it's often. Yeah, we have a lot of retirees that have come to our community because we're so centrally located. Yeah. You know, and uh, as older people uh, need to sell their homes or pass away and their children are off somewhere mm-hmm. else, we've had people come in and we, we've loved them. Yeah. And I like the way the community accepts them. Sure. You know, but every year for our festival, we. Uh, for many years, we honored Mississippians, and that was good. And then we had a committee. They wanted to get some upscale entertainment, so we did. You know, it's hard to follow Gerald. <laughs> and, yeah, he, yeah. And, and he's come back several times for different things. Sure. But uh, this year we have a, a young lady. Uh, actually, she's from Alabama, 
Her name is Ashton Shepard, and she's been in Nashville before. And after kind of a tour in Nashville, uh, she's back home in Alabama, but she's touring, doing some touring and all. And uh, they say she's very good. B-95 has been playing wow. her, her music, and that's made more people sign up for the festival. Yeah. And also, I'm anxious to hear her sing in, in person, and she will be entertaining about 12.15, and uh, entertain for about an hour, hour and a half, so we look forward to that, and then we have uh, other bands around our county uh, that are coming in and playing, you know, throughout the day. Right. A real good variety of music. We have two stages of entertainment, too, so... Uh, we have a lot going on that day. There's yeah. something for everybody. Sure. Well, this has got to be, I would think, something that you, you talked about it early in, in uh, our discussion. A shot in the arm for the local economy, the local merchants, restaurants, the hoteliers. They've got to be pretty excited about this. Yep, they're usually full. They, yeah. re they really are. And sometimes people want to take a break, even though we have these wonderful food vendors. They might want to go to a restaurant and sit down yeah. and eat, you know, sure. which is good. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, does it take all year to plan the event for the next year? Well, you're going to kick that off here pretty soon? Oh, yes. Uh, everybody thinks after the festival it's over. Well, it's not. <laughs> you know, you have to do all the taxes for the state. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and things like that. And, right. and hand them in. And so it's a boost, you know, to, to our economy. Besides, people buying gas and, uh, you know, stopping eating at a restaurant and, as I said, purchasing merchandise and of course it's a good time because it's a week before mother's day so sure. if you haven't bought your mother's day present come to the festival and buy our unique gift you know absolutely and uh so it's definitely a boost to our economy but not only that it's a reunion time where people are out interacting with everybody yeah. networking coming home because they know that they'll see people yeah so they kind of have a reunion and beat up yeah. you know which is fun sure and it's always the first saturday in in may okay yeah that's before people separate the kids are out, you know still in school yeah and everything so we couldn't have all the bands and all if we didn't have the involvement of our schools. Well, I'm sure it will be once again a, uh, a raving success, and congratulations on uh, the durability of an event like this going on for 34 years. That is quite impressive, and I know you guys have a great time, and uh, it's got to be a little relief when it's over, but you'll get going next year. Appreciate you coming on the show. Well, Thanks. thank you. Well, we thank our sponsors for it with that. Absolutely. Our sponsors. Coming right back in the Element Well studio. Bring the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert, Middays with Gerard, Super Talk Mississippi. Back everyone, middays live from Woolwine Ford in Lincoln on Highway 49 in Collins, Mississippi. 
We're here for the Okatoma River Festival, the annual, the 34th annual. Enjoyed visiting with Ms. Shoemake from the Covington County Chamber in the last segment. Discussing all the details about the festival, you can go to the Covington County Chamber website and see uh, all the information related to the festival, the schedule of events, etc., and all the things you can enjoy. Hope you'll make your way down here. I know the weather is uh, looking like we might run into a few showers, but it's not expected to be in like an all-day rain event. As best I can tell, Rhino, is that what you're seeing today and tomorrow? Just spots of it moving through yeah, just early in the scattered. morning. You the might afternoon. have an hour or so where it's going to be a little bit of a downpour, but it'll be drizzly or just light rain the other times. Yeah. Sun's out here right now. It's a little, little overcast, but mostly uh, sunny, I would say, and not, not a bad day. You know, it seems like it's been a little chilly relative. I mean, chilly in that in the 60s, 70s, and really hadn't seen a lot of those 80-degree temperatures. April seemed unusually on the cooler side to me, and that seems to have stunted the grass growth. The turf doesn't seem to be happy just yet, and I've seen some farmers out on social media also mentioning that, um, that they need some warmer weather to get those uh, crops to germinate and start pushing up, pushing out. But it, And it looks like we're in store for that now, right, Rhino? Looking out ahead a few days, we've got some 80s. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to regret not having a warmer spring when summer finally <laughs> gets here. And nobody's acclimated to any kind of heat. And as soon as the triple digits show up, we're all going to be sweating. <laughs> that is absolutely so true. Darren and Jackson on the ceasefire text line says, I don't want to lose my Second Amendment rights by applying for a medical marijuana card. And Rhino has uh, very eloquently described that situation, broken that down, the uh, law, the rules about that, many times on the program. And Dr. Edney did as well uh, yesterday as part of that discussion. I, I in fact, asked that question because I, I knew it was one that a lot of folks are curious about. You want to explain that again, Rhino? I think it's worth doing that. Yeah, basically you are not going to forfeit your right to own a firearm just by obtaining a medical marijuana license. Now, you do get into a sticky situation with having to fill out any forms to purchase a firearm in the future, but if you have weapons already and you are a terminal patient that needs medical marijuana, the feds aren't going to come knocking on your door and take your guns. But there is another step that I haven't heard a whole lot of people say that I think would be beneficial, and that is contact your congressman, contact your senator, and let them know that this wouldn't be a problem if they would just reschedule marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2. That's right, and, and many expect that, and it, it seems to get almost to the finish line uh, the last uh, few sessions. Uh, over the years in Congress, there's bipartisan support, but doesn't seem to be able to get into the end zone such legislation. I, I think it's imminent, honestly, within five years. I think we will see. It uh, moved off of Schedule 1, talking about marijuana uh, specifically, and which would really change the whole landscape at that point from a, a legal perspective, a financial perspective, et, et cetera. 
So, uh, and, and Rhino's right. There, I'm not aware of any situations, Rhino, in the 38 states, I believe, that, that have, uh, have authorized medical marijuana, legalized it. I'm not aware of any situations where, once that happened, the feds just launched this, this giant effort to go seeking people that might have a medical marijuana card. Uh, which they could certainly obtain from the various entities in those states that that uh, uh, manage that, and then uh, go investigate as to knock on their door and see if they got any guns and go take them away. I'm not aware of a single situation where that's ever happened. It'd be all over the place. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Brian? the only I've I've seen a few instances where someone who had a medical marijuana card was then hit with illegal possession of a firearm charges but that was only after they had committed federal fraud or they had gotten on the the radar of the feds because well in one instance it was a guy on youtube that was firing off a whole lot of guns that he didn't really seem he was legally able to own so the feds right. started watching and when they went to bust him for having the illegal guns he also had marijuana that he claimed was medical they still tacked on the charge Interesting. Big tobacco, pharma, and alcohol used their lobbying power to neutralize the amendments, according to a member of our audience on the ceasefire tax line. I actually think it's just the opposite. Everything I've seen indicates that all of those organizations, tobacco, alcohol in particular, all intend to jump into the recreational marijuana business big time, big time, once it is descheduled. It is time for a break. It's top of the hour here. Middays is in Collins, Mississippi for the Okatoma River Festival. It's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. When we return, Stephen Wade, owner of Wade Funeral Home, he's got a real interesting story to tell us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone midday super talk mississippi we are once again in collins mississippi we are are at wool wine ford and lincoln on highway 49 in collins mississippi be sure to stop by and visit us today while you're here to talk to the wool wine team about how they can help you save lots of money on a brand new ford or lincoln that's where we are so, uh, on the ceasefire text line, a couple of other interesting uh, comments that I saw. Thomas and Greenwood said, relying on a lack of enforcement isn't a good way to remain law-abiding. Well, I totally agree with that. Uh, but it's a situation where, Thomas, you know as well as I do, that the federal government, for the most part, I think not just for the most part, uh, almost... Uh, without departure looks the other way doesn't come in and enforce federal law with respect to the states that have uh, legalized medical and even recreational marijuana that's just totally changed that's the way that that works 38 have legalized it for medicinal purposes 
And I believe the last count I saw, Rhino, 25-26 for recreational. I think it's right up around half, as I, as I recall. We'll take a look at that. But nonetheless, it's significant. Also, on the ceasefire text line, let's see if I can find it here, from Ben from Madison, made a comment about school choice. And he is seeing that school choice is gaining traction in South Carolina. He passes that on. I saw that as well, Ben. Ben, He said, I think that's like five or six states just this year that have passed rather sweeping universal school choice legislation. Iowa kicked it off. Governor Kim Reynolds, you remember, big announcement. And then uh, newly seated Governor uh, Huckabee Sanders in our neighboring state of Arkansas made that a top priority of her administration and really promoted that as a as a big transformational change in the state of Arkansas Arizona Florida you're right Ben uh, numerous other states I believe Missouri is also considering it <clears throat> why don't we get that done here in Mississippi it, it's still a, a heavy lift in our legislature our lieutenant governor, our speaker of the house, really don't support it. Um, our governor, I think, moderately supports it in conversations I've had. It's something we have pushed for, certainly, at Empower Mississippi, which I've been affiliated with since its inception in 2014. But you're seeing it gain much more traction, and I would, I really believe that is a function of the exposure of some of the craziness that's going on on our college campuses. Uh, and pardon me, our K-12, through of course the college campuses, but in the K-12 through environment as well. And in fact, maybe one of the nuttiest things I've seen with respect to the K-12 through environment just happened in Colorado, the teachers' union passed a resolution declaring capitalism, quote, inherently exploits children in public schools. Also exploits land, labor, and resources, the resolution reads. So we've got a state here in this country that achieved such massive success and and wealth still wealthier than any other country and quality of life and opportunity and freedom largely the result of capitalism and the innovation that capitalism spurred that has affected the whole planet the whole planet has benefited that really doesn't happen without a capitalistic economic system, they're denouncing that. Again, this is the incumbency rhino. Hey, we, we got all this stuff now, so we can just say it's bad and feel good about it. Incumbency. Never had to work. Never had to worry about anything. So a final resolution was passed that uh, says, the union does, that they are in opposition to fully addressing systemic racism they call that the school-to-prison pipeline. That's that capitalism does not 
address that, and in fact, it creates it. It produces climate change, patriarchy, in parentheses, gender and LGBTQ disparities, education inequality, and income inequality. Right. So what they want is equality, equality of outcomes, where everybody sucks. I call it egalitarian misery. We're all going to be miserable, but we're all equal. It's not how it works. Yes, it's true. In the system of capitalism, there are winners and losers. No doubt about it. But virtually everybody who won in the capitalistic system racked up lots of losses en route. That's how it works. So you could certainly just equalize everything. No doubt about that. You could certainly equalize everything. But we're not nearly as productive as wealthy. We don't enjoy not any, anything remotely close to the quality of life we do in this country. We're not as healthy. Where do you think all the health innovation comes from, health care innovation? The vast majority in this country, and the left hates that because the people that invent all of these life-saving treatments, devices, surgical processes, etc., they all make money doing it. Well, of course they do. Of course, because they're providing value for society. They just don't want to take that into consideration. The, um, the resolution was leaked, is how I'm even able to share it with you. This resolution from the Colorado Teachers Union. So this is what they want to teach kids. That capitalism is wicked and evil and exploits children and creates inequities. They're, the only thing you're entitled to that should be equal is opportunity. And honestly, to a great extent, our government has gone out of its way, not only at the federal level, but in many states at the state level and certainly at the municipal level, to give preferential treatment to certain classes of people. And they're all in the minority. That's not equal. That's not equal opportunity. And this is being adopted by the largest teachers union in the state of Colorado. And this is what they're pushing on the children in the state of Colorado. I don't believe this is unique. I just don't think we've learned about other similar resolutions and efforts in other states. For us at the NEA, says the resolution, education justice must be about racial justice. It must be about social justice. It must be about climate justice. It must be about all those things, said President Becky Pringle. For our students to be able to come to school ready to learn every day, we can never think of education as an isolated system because everything connects to our students' ability to learn. Really? She goes on to talk about housing justice, food inequality, and the reality that we all just went through a global pandemic together. And, of course, it was the most marginalized communities that were already suffering from the inequities in every single social justice, excuse me, social system in this country and every country. 
What do you think about that? I mean, it, this is so. What you're basically saying here, Teachers Union of Colorado, is that you want to replace capitalism with another economic system. Maybe it's just socialism, a mild form of communism. And the main difference between socialism and communism is that there are no private property rights in communism. So when you take away the right to own your own property, your own assets, which was tried and has been tried, it produces dismal failure in horrific, inhuman environments. And it essentially ensures no wealth is created, no innovation is produced, nothing beneficial from society. Even Russia and China, to a great extent, have abandoned that concept. Still, mostly, certainly in China and North Korea. We're coming back right after this break. We're at the Okotoma River Festival. It's getting kicked off tonight and tomorrow in Collins, Mississippi. Stay with us. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays in Collins, Mississippi at the Woolwine Ford and Lincoln dealership on Highway 49. We're here because tonight kicks off the Okatoma River Festival. We also want to extend our thanks to our sponsors, Covington County Bank, custom-built trailers of Mississippi, Priority One Bank in Collins, Woolwine Chrysler Jeep Dodge and Ram, Piggly Wiggly in Seminary, People's Bank of Collins, Wade Funeral Home, Caleb's Hometown Pharmacy, and Mitchell Farms. Many thanks to all the great sponsors making our remote possible here in Collins, Mississippi. So we were just talking about the crazy stuff happening in the K-12 environment, uh, certainly crazy stuff happening on college campuses as well. Uh, with respect to the so-called woke agenda, we've shared many of those stories with you. And you got really nutty stuff uh, happening at, um, uh, let's see here, in Austin, Texas, at the University of Texas. University has about 50,000 or so students. The mighty Longhorns, of course, the orange and white. Wow. So a bunch of documents, a trove of documents, has uh, been leaked from the University of Texas from their radical DEI bureaucracy. And some of the stuff, folks, is astonishing. Now, they have, of course, created a language guide. I say, of course, because that seems to be sort of obligatory, Rhino, these days as part of your, your DEI efforts, right? You've got to tell everybody 
what words they have to use <laughs> because you might hurt somebody's feelings if you don't use the right words. You might misgender them, for example. Uh, and you might use words that they find offensive. One of those words, according to the University of Texas, the, in their empowering, as they describe it, language guide, this is suggested language, is the word women, spelled W-I-M-M-I-N, so that it does not include the word men, M-E-N, and the word women, W-I-M-M-I-N. I laughed when I saw that. Well, the funniest thing is that that's not even the first attempt at that exact thing. For the longest time, they would spell women W-O-M-Y-N to <laughs> avoid ending the word in men. Until somebody pointed out that the differentiating chromosome between women and men is the Y chromosome. So they wanted to get rid of the Y, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it just... That's how deeply uh, unserious this ideology is. That's exactly right. It is unserious. I totally agree with that. I, I'm just looking through some of the other, uh, some of the other language recommendations, and they say that, uh, of course, in following the ideology of queer theory, they want to quote break the binary, end quote, between man and woman. The university therefore recommends against using terms such as ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls in favor of genderless language and neologisms. I've never even heard of that. What the hell is that, Rhino? A ne neologism. I assume I pronounced it right. That's a new one on me. <laughs> Here's what they recommend as a neologism. Instead of using the word like girlfriend and boyfriend... They suggest using babe friend and date friend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so they also recommend that if you don't use the so-called pseudo-pronouns of they, them, and zizir, <laughs> they instruct students to, quote, apologize right away. <laughs> If you violate these usage rules, and if not, the administration of the University of Texas notes, students could be found in violation of the official non-discrimination policy with potentially severe consequences because you did not use they, them, zizir. Also, the guidebook includes a fairly extensive section on sexuality. Well, of course they do, right? Because everything's got to have that. We have totally sexualized every aspect of society, every aspect of life in this country, starting from infancy. It includes materials affirming the practices of asexuality and poly... How do you say it, Rhino? Polyamory? Yeah, polyamory. Polyamorous. A, yeah, 
in a document titled Affirming Asexuality, the university explains that, quote, unlike celibacy, which people choose, asexuality is an intrinsic part of who we are. Students are instructed that they may be, quote, gray sexuals. What's that? Gray sexuals who, quote, experience sexual attraction infrequently or even demisexuals who can experience sexual attraction only after developing a close emotional bond with someone. This is a guidebook published by the University of Texas, widely considered one of the preeminent universities in the country. Certainly one of the largest public universities and I think has the largest endowment of any public university. I believe the last time I looked at the stack rankings, it's Harvard, Stanford, and UT in terms of the value of the assets in their endowment. This is incredible. And by the way, this is all funded by the taxpayers. This is happening in Mississippi. I don't know of it that it's happening to this extent as well, but we've discussed this. Every public university in the state has a sprawling DEI department, and it's all funded by the taxpayers for the most part. They're wasting millions on this junk. It's a DEI bureaucracy is what it is. And I, I couldn't tell you what's it, what it's achieving. I don't know that they could. What is this achieving exactly? So hats off to Governor Ron DeSantis. He just passed legislation. He may not have signed it yet, but the Florida legislature did. That would prohibit use of taxpayer money, state taxpayer money, in the funding of these DEI organizations in the K-12. Well, it really, it's not just K-12 in education. It's in government, period. No taxpayer funding of this stuff. I can't figure out exactly what it's designed to achieve other than you get to just unload your grievances on somebody. What What is this producing for society? I, and I don't think anybody's ever been asked that. And, and if they have, I've certainly never heard any sort of cogent explanation of it. Incredible. At, at Princeton, for example, one of the nation's uh, Ivy League schools, it, it is a, um, a high-profile private school. They just completed their annual drag performance on April 29th. Featured student and guest performances promoting gender fluidity, masturbation, and abortion. What? Gender is a construct. I'm a woman right now, and, and in about two hours, I will be a full man. Think about that, folks. Gender is a construct. Gender is a construct. Maybe they should ask the B from the alphabet soup people about gender. Seems like they've got it down to two. That's true. Attendees at this event were over 100 students. It included faculty and staff. 
unbelievable. So this is this is what they're doing on college campuses. And, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, when the heck do they ever spend any time, like learning things that will benefit them in a professional career post college? When do they take time for that? Not that you. Uh, you go to college and you and you study and you learn 24 hours a day. Of course, you've got to have some some recreational time. I certainly understand that, but it just seems like there's more focus on this than anything. We are stepping aside for a break once again. We're at the worldwide Ford worldwide Ford and Lincoln on Highway 49 in Collins, Mississippi. Coming right back. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Love is a burning thing. The great Johnny Cash bumping us into this segment here on Middays, where we are coming at you live from Worldwide Wool Wine. Pardon me. I'm so used to saying worldwide, and I kind of introduced it wide in there. It's Wool Wine. And, in fact, Mr. Richard Wool Wine, the owner here of the Ford and Lincoln dealership on Highway 49, is going to join us in the next segment to wrap up Hour 2 of Middays. We're at Wool Wine Ford and Lincoln on Highway 49 in Collins, Mississippi. Be sure to stop by and visit the dealership today and while you're here talk to the world wine team about how they can help you save lots of money on a brand new ford or lincoln we're especially appreciative to our many sponsors for today's remote we're here for the okotoma river festival which kicks off later on tonight and extends into tomorrow covington county bank Custom-built trailers of Mississippi, Priority One Bank in Collins, Wool Wine, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram, Piggly Wiggly and Seminary, People's Bank of Collins, Wade Funeral Home, Caleb's Hometown Pharmacy, and Mitchell Farms. So, just some more crazy stuff before I get off of this topic going on in, uh, in and around the college's in other educational environments as well. The University of, uh, actually Portland State University, Portland State University in Portland, Oregon. You, this one's just for you, Rhino. They will offer their pro-LGBTQ students cotton candy and coloring for a week to celebrate trans and gender non-conforming students and provide support for those troubled by emerging legislation across the nation that seeks to protect female-only spaces. You know, like only females compete against other biological females in things like sports or that locker rooms for the female athletes are only used by, oh, I don't know, biological females. So what a crazy idea that is. So they're going to give them cotton candy and coloring these are college students 
A memo written by President Stephen Percy cites growing, quote, anti-trans bills in legislatures across the country and pledges to provide a, quote, safe space for all members of the LGBTQAI plus community. Well, isn't that special? The university will also host Tea Time. That's a capital T hyphen, capital T-I-M-E, time. Trans social spaces on Fridays, as well as sexual and gender minority youth resource center. They're creating one of those. What is that exactly? Can you explain that, Rhino? What is a sexual and gender minority youth resource center? Uh, sounds nefarious. They say it will provide a safe, harassment-free space for queer and trans youth ages 13 to 23. Well, there you go. So he's probably not too crazy about this bill that just passed in Florida, which the legislature passed. It's headed to Governor DeSantis' desk. This just happened Wednesday. It will ban diversity programs in colleges. Excellent. And prevent students and teachers from being required to use pronouns that don't correspond to someone's sex. So in other words, the, the teachers and the administrators and often the other students are being bullied by these activists. You must refer to a person by their so-called preferred pronouns. And if you don't, they want to punish that person. You heard the trans spokesperson, the now infamous trans spokesperson for Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney, a few days ago, is calling for there to be stiff penalties imposed on anyone who might refer to a person by a pronoun that fits what they physically are, biologically are, but doesn't identify with their with their identified fabricated gender and and doesn't identify with their preferred pronoun you can imagine how dicey it would be for a teacher think about that in an elementary school to have to stop and think about okay well what's this person's preferred pronoun I mean what do you do carry a cheat sheet around to know how to refer to them and now you've got some states that are forbidding teachers, faculty, administration in schools from informing parents when their children in a school have expressed gender dysphoria or they have informed them and, and requested that they be referred to by their preferred pronoun. Teachers, administrators, administrators are not required to discuss that revelation with their children. I mean, with their parents, pardon me. That's crazy to me. Again, the goal of the left is to control the youth. They want to essentially replace parents. What they should be more concerned about is the rampant crime in this country and the economic disparity that's not caused by capitalism. It's caused by the dissolution of the traditional family. There are plenty of jobs out there. Why, why do we have so many jobless and homeless when there's all these jobs available? 
I often think it's a choice. It's a choice. I, I've seen interviews with the homeless on the streets. Yeah, I don't want to work. I just I like this lifestyle. And you got government providing them drugs and safe spaces for them in many cases. It's incredible. DeSantis is a big government governor on the ceasefire text line. And that is, I believe, from one of our audience, Rhino, that uh, leans fairly strongly to the left. So that means he should be a fan of Ron DeSantis. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thomas in Greenwood says a safe space, uh, place to molest children. Could be. I had a teacher in high school who referred to me and my two friends as Mo, Larry, and Curly. <laughs> Should we have taken them to court? Laugh out loud. That's Gary and Meridian. I mean, this whole identification stuff and the difficulty folks on the left have with defining what is a woman. And, and so we are to accept it's whomever identifies themselves as a woman. Like, what if you identified yourself as a, an alligator? Should you be referred to as an alligator? What if you're a young person and you referred to yourself or identified yourself as an older person? I don't, I don't really get it. If you put 100, this is Cindy on the ceasefire text line, if you put 100 men and 10 women on an island in 100 years, you are going to have a flourishing community of men, women, boys, and girls. If you put 100 men and 10 trans women on an island in 100 years, you're going to have the skeletons of 110 men. Paul and Hernando says it's just chaos. Where did all the white women at? Reminds me of the Blazing Saddles quote. Dustin from Walnut says, women, W-I-M-M-I-N, because that is the recommended word for women, W-O-M-E-N, at the University of Texas, so as not to include the word men in the word women. It just keeps getting nuttier. Finally, on this subject, the New England Journal of Medicine. Just a few days ago, several contributors to this really lengthy article. This was about a week ago, April 27th. And so they are calling for a change in the pedagogy and medical training, medical education. They're wanting to set up what they call racial affinity group caucuses. This is the New, G New England Journal of Medicine, which I think, Rhino, you could argue is, the, is really the top tier, m maybe most prominent, prestigious publication, historically anyway, for, for the medical, the practice of medicine community. And they're calling for racial affinity group caucuses. Now, what is that? It doesn't make any sense to me. I thought the whole idea was inclusion and diversity of groups. They want to separate into groups. They say this is in an effort to promote anti-racism and anti-oppression curriculum. So they literally want these, these students who are training to be doctors, nurses, etc. to identify in a group and then essentially work within those groups 
in their health care, residency, and education, classroom education, and so forth, and then move on to their residency. They want them to all do that in these groups. They say that uh, the problem with the current system is that it is founded on legacies of colonialism and racism. It is historically centered white learners and continues to perpetuate structural racism, does the healthcare training in the world of uh, healthcare professionals. When we come back, it's Richard Woolwine, the owner of Woolwine Ford and Lincoln here in Collins. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Welcome back, everyone. Middays live from Collins, Mississippi. In fact, we are at Worldwide Ford and Lincoln on Highway 49, and we welcome to the show Mr. Richard Worldwide, the owner of the uh, outfit here. And we're so pleased to be here on the floor. Beautiful dealership you have here, Mr. Worldwide. And obviously, uh, you've been in business a while, I think, haven't you? Yes, we just celebrated our 25th year anniversary as a Ford Lincoln dealer here in Collins. That's awesome. How's it been going lately? It's good. Inventory's picking up. You know, we're getting more inventory in. And uh, a lot of the things with COVID is sort of behind us and things are looking up. Right. So if someone wanted to come by and, and buy a vehicle, you've got uh, new cars New trucks on the lot, ready to go? Yes, sir. Got the new cars, new trucks, F-150s, certain models even have 0% for, you know, a certain okay. months, you know. And we probably got 15, 20 brand-new F-150s and uh, several cars. We got the Lincoln Navigator, brand-new one sitting out there to choose from. You know, if somebody's looking for a vehicle, we, uh, we also just built a new brand-new Dodge store in Seminary, Mississippi, and uh, we carry six American brands. We've got Ford Lincoln here, and we've got Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. So the Ram trucks and uh, the Ford trucks are really, you know, what a lot of people look for, even a lot of people now that has cars, they want to go to a truck because yeah. it has so many multiple uses. Yeah. But, uh, yes, sir, we, we've got some inventory, and Got a lot of inventory on order and a lot coming in. Well, the dealership is uh, is pristine. I wanted you to know that. It's, it's kept very well and just looks very inviting for a customer if they want to come in and do business. I walked around a little bit and noticed the, the service department uh, also attached to the uh, the sales area here. That's Is that an important part of the business and something that uh, your customers come to appreciate? Absolutely. You know, if you're going to sell somebody a vehicle, you also have to service it and you have to take care of them after the sale. Sure. And uh, we try to do that. But before we get too deep into this, you yeah. know, first of all, we need to give God the credit yes, sir. for everything. You yes, know, sir. Uh, I grew up in Sanford, Mississippi, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's just a real small place and Never dreamed I'd be sitting here, but the Lord is faithful, and uh, what you see is what he's done, not what I've done. Yes, sir. So to him be the glory, him be the credit. But back to your question, the service department, we got 34 service bays here at Ford, uh, a lot of trained technicians that uh, 
trying to keep our customers vehicles fixed and rolling we've got you know like 25 or 30 bays at the dodge store uh whenever we build them we build them for sales and service sure absolutely so i was intrigued by the you, you've got some zero percent financing programs right right now going right. on because right. that's pretty important with the interest rates rising the way they have right now they are some rebates coming back on vehicles and zero percent so uh you know somebody's looking for a vehicle we can definitely fix them up absolutely uh, what about these antiques on the floor here? Can you tell us about that? <laughs> well, the first one, the red truck, it's a 27 model Ford truck. You know, I think they've improved them a long way. Yeah, long way. That's awesome, so, though. It's beautiful. And then we got a 35 Ford sedan over there that I traded for a local from a guy here in Collins, and uh, we call that the Bonnie and Clyde car. That's <laughs> that's one like they got shot up in. <laughs> but anyway, and then. Uh, the last car over there is a customer's car that he wanted to put on our showroom. It's a 55 Ford Thunderbird. Okay. So, uh, anyway, I guess we got it from a 27 model to a, <laughs> to a 2023 model, so we got a 96-year span here, sounds like. That's pretty neat. <laughs> well, what about your staff, your team? Uh, we we got, you know, second to none. We got, we got some great people here that work for us, and uh, you hear a lot of coaches say, you know, the only way we make it is with good coaches and with good players. Right. So I'm just one of the small spokes in the wheel, I guess. But our sales staff, our service staff, our office staff, all our employees, you know, are great. We also have a quick lane next door. That's been one of the best things we've done. You know, you can come in here now. we got 12 bays where you can get your uh, oil changed, get brakes, tires, Daily service, you know, where you can get in and out and not be tied up. Yeah. So that's that's another thing. Everybody today's in a hurry. Everybody's yeah. on the move, and uh, they don't want to wait around. So we do have a quick lane. We can get you in and out on oil change, and uh, you can call in, get an appointment, or you don't even have to have one. You can walk in, and we'll take care of you. I noticed that when I parked nearby over there um, at the edge of the lot here this morning, and they're running around like crazy in there taking care of, of vehicles and their customers. So I, I think, to your point, they know people are in a hurry, and they're trying to help them out and get them in and out and take care of them. Yeah, we get we didn't have a you know but one rack to change oil on you know in our old ford store and people would be there two and three hours and daniel my son told me he said daddy we got to do something about this you know so yeah. we built the quick lane and it's been a real plus for our business that's awesome mr woolwine appreciate you uh having us here today and and congratulations on your success sir thank you well thank y'all so much and if you're looking for a ford lincoln crasher Dodge jeep ram come to collins mississippi thank you time all so for fox much. news appreciate it, mr Woolwine. time for fox news super talk news when we come back we've got the mayor of collins hope mcgee jones stay with us three get ready get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome 
Welcome back, everyone. Hour three of middays. We are in the Element Well Studios today down in Collins, Mississippi, for the Okatoma River Festival. We are at Woolwine Ford in Lincoln right there on Highway 49. Be sure to stop by and visit today. And while you're here, talk to the Woolwine team about how they can help you save lots of money on a brand-new Ford or Lincoln. And we just had Mr. Woolwine, Richard Woolwine, on the program, says they've got cars and trucks in stock on the lot, ready to go. Come pick you one out, and they'll cut you a good deal and ha also have some special 0% financing available for certain buyers on certain vehicles. So you got to take care of that, take advantage of that with the interest rates on the rise the way they are. Sounds pretty good. Joining us now, the mayor of Collins, Mississippi, Hope McGee-Jones. Mayor Jones, thanks for coming on Middays. Glad to be here. So we got the big Okatoma River Festival getting underway tonight and on into tomorrow. We were just talking. The sun is uh, peeking out. Looks pretty good out there now. Let's, uh, let's hope that that continues. It really, it really looks good out there now, so we hope it carry forward <laughs> to tomorrow. So Ms. Shoemake with the Covington County Chamber was on the program earlier, says we could expect as many is twelve to fifteen thousand to come here to Covington County and and descend upon Main Street around the courthouse in in, uh, in Collins. Or do you think that's uh, possible? Looks like it, huh? Oh yeah, with the oh yeah. With the, if the weather stays great out there like it is now, we'll have that many people or maybe more to come through. Can it's grown into a great thing for Collins and for the Covington County area. Thirty fourth year. Thirty fourth year. That's incredible. She said she's been doing it since the beginning. She's been involved with this. Well, she has. She has. She was one of the original um, people that were in on getting it started, and we appreciate her and all of her team that that does a that do a lot. Now, does your office coordinate with yes, the group as well? Yes, we do. We we try to make sure that everything that that she needs, electricity, um, whatever, grounds cleaning, and and all that stuff to help things be more comfortable for our visitors that are coming in as well as our residents. It's got to be a thrill for you to showcase uh, Covington County, the fine city of Collins, when you get visitors to come here. Do you find that many are first time? You know, I'm sure you have a lot of repeat folks come we, here for the events, but you have do. some first time as well? We do. Miss Marie uh, does well at um, getting the word out and people by word of mouth, and she has no spaces available. You know, most of the time, a lot of them repeat. They go ahead yeah. and, and rent their spaces for the next year. So, And then we have some people that are on way list yeah so it's just awesome that's neat the merchants the the restaurants the hoteliers and folks that need people to to sell stuff to they gotta like that huh? they really do really <laughs> do we look forward to it every year what about uh, your police department law enforcement are they involved as well yes they are they're on site they have a booth there where they're available and then they're constantly uh, riding around or walking around and, and showing their presence there so they're really prepare for this year after year they get sit down the day after you know to try to see what went wrong how they can do it better yeah. uh, for the next year so they're pretty much on top of it mayor would you describe it as a family f friendly event it really is we have an entertainment for for the kids for the youngsters with the rides and the, and then we have the entertainment on the stage different groups and people coming in and performing we have the the run walk early in the morning yeah. so everything we have pretty much something for everybody yeah and if, and if we don't have something for everybody miss marie takes suggestions <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been mayor 
Uh, this is my second term. I'm on my um, going into my uh, sixth year. Okay. Yes. Something you think you might want to do again? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Everything um, is going well. We love the city college. I was born and raised here. Okay. I moved to Brandon for a while and moved back. And and it's just a wonderful city to live in, and I really enjoy my position. So if you were to uh, put your elevator pitch on someone who's thinking about moving and considering the city of Collins, what, what would you tell them? Why should they come here? We have a lot to offer uh, people that are looking forward to moving here. Um, we have restaurants. We have quietness. We have places in our city that, you know, are quiet neighborhoods. And sure. so far we have... Um, our school system here, we have a Covenant County School District, which we have three, you know, schools that are involved in that. Mm -hmm. And um, just a friendly town. People just love each other and lo love to love on each other. So yeah. it's a lot to do here in Collins. It's, it's a small town for with a big heart. Safe? Safe, yes. It's safe as it can be mm -hmm. and our police here we're we're fully staffed you know as far as our uh, police department is concerned and they are patrolling and they are working we have um, a great chief and people that you know know him because he's from the area the yeah. Covington County area sure. so that that really helps so we're, we're a safe place to live what about health care Healthcare. Oh my goodness, we have the hospital here that's very vibrant and 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 um, relevant in our communities. They have um, we have um, clinics that's available to our, our people, and we have them and they participate in our community activities. Yeah. So they're very visible, very visible, and yeah. we're very proud of it. And of course, it's not too long a trip uh, down south to Forest General and, and all of that, Hattiesburg Clinic, and then north uh, up to Jackson, up to Jack and, and you got here as well. So, here. And that's something else that's an asset, is it not? An attraction for the city is its its physical location, its geographic yep. location. Exactly. And we're 49 and 84. You can get on 84 and go where you want to go, 49, and, and cover the whole state. So it's just a, it's, it's a great place to live. Yeah. Um, what what is the financial condition of the city? How are you guys doing? We are sound. We have uh, we're very blessed in in that department, and we have a bunch of uh, good people who are who are heading those. Part. Our city clerk, she's on top of it. Um, we are, are very we have our legislators that work well with us when concerning the, our needs here in the city and our businesses here. I mean, they're loyal. They're they're growing and, and they love the city themselves so they they stay yeah and, and we just really appreciate that yeah have your sales tax revenues been staying pretty steady um pretty steady you know in covid when it uh online yeah. you know all that all that kind of stuff but i think it's kind of coming back and kind of leveling out we didn't um see any issues of losing any tax base because of the the new bill that they have out with the yeah. use tax with right. the online um, so we're, we're everything is pretty much stabilizing right now as for the sales tax. What about on the on the cost and investment side? Infrastructure, of course, the, the major issue for a, a municipality. How are you looking there? Oh, we're looking great. We have um, projects going. We just um, almost completed our water, new water meter contract, you know, contract, and mm -hmm. getting them installed for drive-by meters. Mm -hmm. And also, we just completing a um, water line project. In our 
As soon as we finish that, we're going to be starting another um, area, which is in the Vena Park area, installing new water lines. And we're going to do all we can to do to help our residents to um, get the best that they can get here in Collins. Sure. Recreation. How you uh, do there? Yes, we do. Well, we have uh, two parks. We have the water park. Um, you know, some things we have... Um, Things that we try to we have boys and girls club that really help in that area of, of our kids, and there's things that we would love to have, you know, in the area to have our kids to have more to do. But we're we're looking to move forward in yeah. those areas. You mentioned your your legislators. You feel like they represent you well. Oh, uh, they up in Jackson. They really really do. We've been very proud of them, um, Noah and uh, yeah. Joey. Yep. Um, and and they're just good good guys, and they really concerned about the areas that they work in. Sure. So we're just happy to have them at the uh, state office supporting us. Yeah, Joey Filligain and mm -hmm. and uh, Noah Sanford. Noah Sanford. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, on the House side. Uh, yeah. Joey on the Senate side. Mm -hmm. uh, anything in particular you'd like to see the legislature addressed specifically as it relates to municipalities, your city, something that uh, maybe you've worked with them on? Yes, we um, we just really would like to um, make sure that our cities stay um, sound. You know sure. that we we get the the support that we need from them in the areas. All cities are not the same, but in the amount of monies they need, but they're yeah. the same in what they need yeah. in order to, to sustain their communities. So uh, keeping their ears open to our suggestions, and which they have done, that we want them to continue to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's constant, is it not? It Maintaining is. that infrastructure, the water systems in particular, the roads, which are the, the big expense. Yes. The big assets for a municipality. Yes. You, you've got to constantly maintain them. And if you let them... If you, if you don't, then it costs you a lot more in the long run. Right. We want to make sure that we stay um, on top of the things that we need to do yeah. as far as, you know, the timing and and not just wasting money and, and doing things that we can't do. Absolutely. Mayor, pleasure talking to you. Thank Thanks you for so coming much. on. Appreciate right. it. Good luck with the big Okotoma River Festival as well. Everybody come out. <laughs> We're stepping aside for a break right here. Once again, we're at Wool, Wine, Ford, and Lincoln on Highway 49 in Collins, Mississippi for the Oklahoma River Festival. When we return, it's John Pope, the fire chief of Collins and president of the Mississippi Firefighters Association. This program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Collins, Mississippi. We're at Woolwine Ford in Lincoln on Highway 49. We're here to uh, celebrate the Okatoma River Festival, which kicks off tonight, continues throughout the day tomorrow in Collins, Mississippi. That's in Covington County, nestled uh, between Jackson to the north and Hattiesburg, Mississippi to the south. But joining us now 
is the fire chief of Collins, Mississippi, and president of the Mississippi Firefighters Association, John Pope. Good to see you, sir. Thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. So we got this big event kicking in tonight, 34th annual, and into tomorrow. What sort of role does your organization play? We have been busy all week. The uh, The fire department, of course, uh, supports with emergency services throughout the festival. Uh, we'll have personnel on duty available to respond to any emergencies that may occur. Uh, medical emergencies. Uh, we have had uh, uh, some fire situations uh, at different uh, festivals over the years, small fires, but the personnel are there to respond for any emergency services needs that the uh, visitors, uh, the festival goers, or citizens may uh, encounter. Yeah. Well, you don't expect uh, too much in that way, but you still got to be ready. I that's mean, right. That's, that's, it's basically a a situation where you hope nothing happens, but if it does, you want to be right there and ready to respond. Most of the time for us, the, the incidents that we'll see during the festival might be someone maybe getting a little overheated. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, a slip, trip, or fall, uh, yeah. something like that. Um, and then a lot of times it may be us just a helping uh, people that may, uh, you know, be in wheelchairs or something, maybe to help migrate them around certain areas so they can get access. But we have a, a great group of firefighters that, uh, that step up and serve serve the city of Collins and Covenant County every day, and sure. uh, we look forward to continuing to serve our citizens and the festival goers as well. So in addition to your duties as the chief in Collins, you also serve as the president of the Mississippi Firefighters Association. That's correct. And uh, you and I talked during the session, and then I think I saw you the next day perhaps in the Capitol, and uh, you, you were pretty excited. Some legislation got passed. Indeed. Got that through. That's right. Tell House, us about that. House Bill 521. Uh, that was one that, that you and I had several conversations about. And I appreciate the great support of yourself and, and Super Talk listeners that assisted with that because it was truly a group effort. It was not just fire service personnel that reached out to the legislatures and uh, let them know how important it was, but it was general citizens of the state of Mississippi that knew that it was a positive uh, positive piece of legislation to support the fire services and helping to keep our local community safe. That bill uh, did pass. It was signed uh, into law by the governor here in Collins. He actually came to the fire station in Collins I didn't know and that. held a that? Uh, bill signing. We were very surprised when they called and asked if he could come to the station, yeah. and so we held an event. And I had uh, many of those that were, were key to helping to get it passed were there and be able to witness that piece of monumental legislation. And what it will do is provide a length of service award program to volunteer firefighters in the state that meet uh, required criteria. They'll get a $500 uh, defined contribution into a account in their name uh, mm -hmm. under the care of the state treasury. Mm -hmm. And then it will compound interest. And then at the end of their service, when they withdraw those funds, they'll get a lump sum payout of the $500 each year plus the interest earned. Gotcha. And, and why is this important exactly? I mean, you and I have talked about it, but to tell the audience, why, why is so, it important to have that program in place? Well, what we've seen, unfortunately, uh, it's across the board in volunteerism, not just in the volunteer fire service, yeah. but in, in volunteerism as a whole, is that, you know, not as many people are able to step up and volunteer as they used to could. Hmm. Uh, over 80-plus percent of the state of Mississippi and the United States are made up of volunteer firefighters that serve those communities. Hmm. So we have to keep those numbers up to keep the community safe. Sure. So by doing this, this is a little incentive uh, to help to reward those for volunteering. Uh, the 
the equity that they're putting into it is their time and service. Sure. And then these dollars are going in, and some would say, well, that's not a lot. It's 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 something. It's a start. Yeah. But it is once once they've served that time, and they get that, that is a little little boost, a little reward. Uh, and a thank you. It's a it's a very small thank you for them for their service. But the, the 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 fire service provides such a great deal of services to the citizens throughout our great state. And this is just one thing that we were able to uh, to work with the legislature uh, and and be able to see it come to fruition. Related to that, John John Pope is our guest, the fire chief of Collins and president of the Mississippi Firefighters Association. Related to that, how is your department and others? across the state doing with respect to their staffing levels? I think that uh, all departments are, are always in need of additional personnel. Right now, um, we're probably uh, we're probably about 85% staffing. Um, we, we're a combination department. So Collins has uh, volunteer on-call personnel and paid personnel. So we have a complement of each, and they work together. I tell people it's kind of like the... Um, Think of it like the the Army, the National Guard, and the Army Reserve mm -hmm. components. Um, and so, for us and departments throughout the state, you're always trying to fight the battle of maintaining personnel. Sure. Um, you have people that are finding opportunities to go make more money. Uh, you will not get rich in public safety. You won't get rich as a law enforcement officer and a firefighter financially. Uh, you can feel good about the services that you provide. And at the end of the day, know that you're truly trying to make a difference in your local community. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this for, for 26 years for a living. Uh, and, and total between as a career firefighter and starting out as a volunteer. And I'm very proud of the service that I've been able to provide and proud of the services that our firefighters and law enforcement officers throughout the state and throughout the, the, the country provide. But it is a... As a daunting task, you're constantly. It's sometimes it feels like it's it's one step forward and three steps back instead yeah. of two. Yeah. Uh, but we're we're maintaining um, and ensuring that the citizens uh, have the services they need, and that they're protected, and then when they need us and they make that call, we're going to respond and we're going to take care of the situation at hand. Sure. And then the physical assets, the the, the trucks, the other tools, supplies, equipment, etc. Et uh, how are you doing there? And I, and I know that uh, a great deal of that. Uh, relies on the Mississippi uh, the Department of Insurance. That's right. involved a lot of that. That's yes. correct. In Mississippi, we have the uh, the RIFTAP program, which is the Rural Fire Truck Acquisition Program. It's a, a great program that allows for uh, municipal departments that have rural jurisdictions they protect and then county departments to be able to access dollars to help to uh, pay a portion mm -hmm. of the funds for a cost per truck. We've seen huge increase in the cost of fire apparatus. Um, you know, we've seen some increases as much as one hundred fifty or two hundred thousand dollars more in the last five years in the cost of some of these apparatus. Wow! Um, so the equipment costs go up as everything does, um, and that is a, a difficult thing to balance, especially um, when you have so many needs. Uh, so you try to make sure that you maintain your equipment as best you can, uh, keep it in a state of readiness, but also be preparing when you do it to make those investments. Yeah. Uh, it's it's expensive, you know, to outfit a firefighter in a set of protective clothing, head to toe with a self-contained breathing apparatus, their turnout gear, helmet, gloves, boots, etc. You're talking anywhere from twelve to fourteen thousand dollars. Wow! To outfit a firefighter wow. head to toe, just the breathing apparatus is between no eight idea. to nine thousand dollars now. I'll be darned. And you 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 can't go interior and fight a right. structure fire without a breathing apparatus. Right. They've got to have their turnout gear. Just the turnout gear alone is over three thousand dollars now. So I mean, and it's 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 a 
it's very expensive, but we want to make sure that our personnel are safe sure. to be able to respond and provide those those services because they're stepping up and, and saying, you know, I'm willing to do this, so we want to do what we can to make sure they're protected as best, they, as best we can and provide for them. Something else, uh, Chief, that uh, is uh, under the scope of the Department of Insurance is the Fire Academy. That's correct. That's right. How does that how does that work out for you? Do you, uh, do you think we that's have a good a, system? We have a great fire academy in the state of Mississippi. Uh, if you turn off of uh, of the road that the academy is on, it says number one fire academy, USA, and we truly believe that it really? is. We have one of the top fire academies in the United States. We train thousands of firefighters every year at our state fire academy, both on the volunteer and the career side, and the industry side. And in recent years, have started doing EMS training at the academy. Mm -hmm. uh, but our our fire service uh, can be very proud of the fire academy they have, the instructors and the staff that are there. Our facilities are, are second to none. Uh, we just uh, finished doing the ribbon cutting on the new uh, dormitory and fire station facility on the grounds. can allow us to be able to house even more firefighters for training, meaning even more training hours for our firefighters in the state. So just a, definitely a, a shining example of how fire service training should be done. I know Commissioner Cheney definitely has a soft spot in his heart for it and is very committed to ensuring it is of the highest quality in Indeed. producing. Indeed. Uh, is that your finding as well? We do. He's, he's been very supportive of the fire service uh, ever since him first coming in as the insurance commissioner and the state fire marshal. does a great job. And we're just very proud of the support that he provides for the fire service. And in fact, what I usually sense is that he wishes he could do more. That's you know, right. He's, he's, he uh, it's, it's the impression I get. But Chief, we appreciate your service, sir, and appreciate you coming on and being with us today. And I know you guys will have a very successful and, and problem-free Oklahoma River right. Festival. And they need to come eat pancakes with us in the morning from 6 to 10 at the fire station. Oh, my gosh. Pancake awesome. breakfast. <laughs> they need to awesome. come do that. <laughs> The Fire Chief of Collins, the President of the Mississippi Firefighters Association, John Pope, has been our guest on Middays. We're in Collins, Mississippi at Worldwine, Ford, and Lincoln. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Gerard Gibbert. Going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays live from Wool Wine, Ford and Lincoln, the dealership here on Highway 49 in Collins, Mississippi. We're here because kicking off tomorrow, or pardon me, tonight, getting underway tonight, the Okatoma River Festival, the 34th annual Okatoma River Festival. And folks, they're expecting 12 to 15,000 people here. Uh, we'll descend upon, crowd into the main street around the courthouse, downtown Collins, Mississippi. We're so grateful to all of our fantastic sponsors for our remote today. Covington County Bank, custom-built trailers of Mississippi. Priority One Bank in Collins. Woolwine Chrysler Jeep Dodge and Ram. Piggly Wiggly and Seminary. People's Bank of Collins. Wade Funeral Home. Caleb's Hometown Pharmacy and Mitchell Farms. 
So I just got a notification, Rhino, that CDC Director Rochelle Walensky is stepping down. She's the one that was, oh, I don't know, kind of operated carrying the water for Fauci is probably the maybe the accurate way to describe it. Always said a lot of stuff that never made any sense to me, but she is stepping down. Just another one of the appointments that I think was all uh, an attempt and an effort by President Joe Biden to check all the boxes to ensure that his cabinet was the most diverse, inclusive, and inclusive in history. No regard for qualifications or experience or what looked like would it be the expected competency in executing and discharging the particular cabinet position. That doesn't seem to have ever entered into the decision-making process. All about checking the boxes and filling out the chessboard. That's how we roll. I caught uh, some tweets yesterday from uh, some folks on the left that we're talking about the debt ceiling coming up, and the fear-mongering is in full swing. Congressman, Congressman Summer Lee, Congresswoman, Republicans will force women to have kids, then discredit the parents who adopt them. They will strip away food from the struggling to give billionaires the benefits of a tax break. They say they care about Americans but they act like health care is a huge headache and a hassle. Joe Biden says, for too long, big oil has made huge profits and failed to invest those back into production. It's time we end the special tax treatment for oil and gas company investments, saving the taxpayer over $30 billion in the process. That's what my budget does. And Jennifer... Techumfield is the way the name is spelled, at least, says, even the Wall Street, this is a, a Democrat pundit, even the Wall Street Journal is pointing to excess profits as the current driver of inflation. You made too much money. That drove inflation up. The Republican, which is absurd. The Republican plan to hold the debt ceiling hostage will cost jobs and tank our economy. You can also raise business taxes and taxes on the 1% to help balance the budget. Well, once again, of course, Rhino, this individual is a mathematically challenged. We can raise taxes on the 1% who pay 42% of federal income taxes, and federal income taxes comprise 42% of total federal revenue. So you can do the math there. You're talking about 16% of total revenue, which is really insane unto itself. 16% of total federal revenue comes from the top 1% of taxpayers. About a million people fund 16% of the total Revenues received by the government, it could be attributed to them. 16%, 42% of all income taxes. But what they always say is if we just raise taxes on the 1%, all of our problems would go away. It would just be economic bliss would break out. Okay, so let's do the math. What they typically call for, 
is raising the income tax rate, eliminating the Trump tax cuts, would reduce the highest rate, the highest bracket, by about 2%. So let's raise it 2%. So if you look at all the income that would be taxed at that additional 2%, I did a little math on that, from the top 1%, it doesn't really amount to a whole lot. In fact, it would cover about 5% of the total deficit. 5%. What about the other 95%? And that's assuming that all things are equal with higher tax brackets, higher tax rates, which is never the case. Never works out that way. Because they will, of course, figure out a way to generate lower taxable income. Of course they will. Because they don't want to pay to the government to see it just thrown down the toilet. So this individual's wrong about the math, as usual. Biden, of course, is in full fear-mongering mode with the debt ceiling looming, which, by the way, I looked at the calendar yesterday, Rhino. It looks like they've got about six days between now and June 1st, which is when the Secretary of Treasury says we're running out of money. Six days where you've got all the parties in place. You've got the President, the House, and the Senate which is what's necessary to raise the debt ceiling. They got six days. And Biden kept saying, no, we can't talk about it, can't talk about it, can't talk about it. No strings attached. Just got to have a clean debt ceiling bill. Yesterday, he says, the House Republican proposal will gut funding for over 2,000 customs and border protection agents in order to cut taxes for the rich. They just told Border Patrol that billionaires are more important than our national security. There's just, just such horse hockey. You, sir, Mr. President, clearly advocate for no Border Patrol. That's what you really want. You don't want to protect the borders. That's pretty clear. All you have to do is look at the busloads that are gathering up in anticipation of the ending of Title 42. But it's, but it's always because you don't pay enough taxes is why we can't fund Border Patrol agents, for example, which I happen to think are an important and necessary function of government to protect the border with people and, and the assets they require to discharge that function. But it, they always find things like that that they think will really get people upset and fired up and it's it's an effort to try to in your face to the right because they know most people on the right if not all favor securing the border protecting the border and not just having this this just freedom by those at our Mexican border that seek to enter this country just to do so unencumbered and without any consequences, without I any thoughts of detaining them or returning them across the border in the other direction. Nope, they just end up in the country. So that's what he's hitting at, which is kind of devious politically. Nancy Pelosi, of course, says 
Republicans default plan will slash up to 30 million health care visits for veterans take food out of the mouths of 1 million hungry women infants and children and 1 million seniors using meals on wheels and block access to care we need to stop them we will stop them and Ed Markey says we need a 17 dollar minimum wage and Bernie Sanders by the way what does he say Rhino Bernie? Give me all your money. <laughs> he says, get this, he now advocates not only for a $17 minimum wage, he wants a 32-hour work week. So he wants you to get $17 minimum wage. He wants you to make more money but work less. That's, that is their philosophy. That sounds like mediocrity on steroids and people wonder why i call them worthless it's unbelievable that's exactly what he wants malcolm from tishomingo says if the border were secure why send biden he's sending 1500 soldiers and all they're going to do is process them they're not there to detain them to stop them to protect the borders you guys understand that they're just there to process what they expect to be a massive influx when when initiative uh uh, Title 42, pardon me, ends uh, next week, I believe. Keith Invaden says that sounds just like something Obama would say. There is no debt limit. They'll raise it. There's no chance they won't. There's, there's not, Thomas, because we would default on our, on our payments. And if we did so, the global economy totally collapses. We're stepping aside for a break right here. Final segment coming up next. We're in College, Mississippi. It's Chris Hall, VP and Loan Officer for Priority One Bank, one of the sponsors for today's remote. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk, Mississippi. I got rice cooking in the microwave. Got a three day beard I don't plan to shave. And it's a goofy thing, but I just gotta say. Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're in the Element Well Studios in Collins, Mississippi at Wool Wine, Ford, and Lincoln on this Friday, y'all. Joining us now, Chris Hull, Vice President and Loan Officer with Priority One Bank. Chris, good to see you, and thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you. It's good, good to be here with you today. So it looks like we got a big weekend planned with the Okatoma River Festival, the 34th annual. 34th. We're looking for a big turnout tomorrow. Hopefully the weather will stay away and we can have a great day tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, the one thing that I noticed in, in talking to uh, Ms. Shoemake with the Covington County Chamber and, of course, Mayor, Mayor Jones, they're very excited, that's for sure. So it seems like it's a just kind of a neat collaborative effort. It's a big event for us, and we look forward to it each year. A lot yeah. of work goes into it. Yeah, and, and they've uh, got... Uh, a big run schedule for tomorrow, lots of other events, food, music, right. so forth. Some activities tonight. Get started tonight, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Looks like the weather's going to hold off we for us. So. Yeah, and, and uh, the mayor and Ms. Shoemake also said that it attracts visitors from not only the, the Covington County, of course, and the neighboring counties, but folks come from uh, 
all over the place That's to come right. into this. They will. That's neat. And you get to showcase the, the great Collins, Collins uh, City Covenant of Collins, Covenant County. County. Absolutely. Pretty neat. Tell us about uh, Priority One Bank. <clears throat> well, we are very proud of our past history. The bank actually formed in 1905 down in Seminary, Bank of Seminary. Mm-hmm and uh, later moved to Collins when they wanted to be at the county seat and uh, started off with $25,000 in capital. <laughs> and I believe in 1907 I was reading that um, they had accumulated quite a bit of cash, about $8,900, and they decided they needed to build a vault in the bank building. <laughs> and so it's gone from there. The bank is um, currently in um, 12, uh, loca- 12 municipalities, 12 areas. We've got 15 branches. Uh, we're soon to open uh, number 16 and 17 in Gluckstadt and Purvis. And we've reached a $1 billion mark in, in assets. So wow. we've had great growth, um, continue to have real solid and strong growth. And we appreciate the loyal customers that we've had over the years and continue to have. Absolutely. So so uh, it's no secret, of course, that the banking industry has been in the press, in the news quite a bit. Uh, large banks, regional banks in particular, uh, have, have had some challenges. Where do you guys fit into all that? Well, we're a, we're a truly a community bank. Okay. Um, even though we're a billion in assets, that's um, we're, we're proud of that fact, but we're a true community bank. We've got um, a different balance sheet than a lot of these regional banks and larger banks do. Um, most of our de- deposits are insured. We have very few percentage-wise uninsured deposits in the bank, which sure. some of these banks ran into. And, right. and uh, so we, our makeup is a, a different balance sheet. We've got strong liquidity, strong capital. So we feel real good about our bank and the position it's in. And, uh, always look forward to serving our customers again in, in the locations that we have. Would you say that your management is uh, more conservative in, in that respect as far as managing their assets, their balance sheet, their well, risk? Yes, we, we are, and we do stay on top of... Uh, that's why you're in good shape. Yes, that's why we're in good shape. And we got a strong management team, executive management team, all of our... Um, members of the uh, of the bank are, are well educated. We put a lot of pride in that. Sure. I didn't realize when I came back with the bank or came to the bank that I would be taking tests. But we do a, a lot of training and uh, well, good. take tests. And so you know, it's it's always changing. Sure. Banking always changes, and you got to stay on top of things. We've invested a lot in technology over the years, and continue to try to be at the forefront of that to offer what's needed to our customers. Yeah, and and that's a good point. Uh, that there has been a lot of uh, really a technological revolution that's completely turned the banking industry <laughs> upside down in a positive way, Absolutely. I believe. But it's still no substitute for no, that face-to-face. No, no. We're, we're, we pride ourselves on being a relationship bank and bankers and uh, easy access to us, and we, we put a lot of attention to that. Um, when the banks um, came together and um, became priority one bank, change the name um, our focal point was our one priority is you okay and so we really strive that and and um, try to build on that and to earn that reputation with our customers absolutely so Covington County is uh, got, got a large uh, agricultural industry presence it does in the, in the county does. is that a lot of your customers it is and they, they need you guys right yeah. I mean that's right. the way that business works right. exactly and do you personally work with them, a lot of the loans uh, for the yes. farmers and so yes. forth? Yeah. Yes. 
And they have to borrow the money typically in advance, and then they go invest that to create their their crop. Back on in our main office downtown, uh, we've got actually a note where back in the 30s, I believe 1934, there was a loan made for $60 on a cow named June <laughs> and Flossie. Awesome. And, uh, so, That's awesome. Uh, yes. Chris, appreciate you coming on. Thank you for the sponsorship, and congratulations on all your success and the way you take care of your customers. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Well, that's a wrap here in Collins, Mississippi at Woolwine Ford and Lincoln for the Okatoma River Festival in Covington County. We're out of here today. You guys have a great weekend. I'll be with you again on Monday in the Element Well Studios. Until then, stay safe and God bless. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.